Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned. Until now. Quantum Leap was an experimental time travel program, years away from being tested. Why did you leap? I don't remember anything. Your name is Dr. Ben Song. You're a time traveler leaping from life to life, trying to put right what once went wrong. I'm Addison Augustine. <laughs> You're the woman I love. Ben's working with someone. Al Calavici's daughter, Janice. What is that? That's a destination. I think that Ben was trying to leap into the future, to a specific place, a specific point in time. That shouldn't be possible. I remember why I leapt in the first place. It's to save you. Janice is here to help us. I'm going to give you a name. The name of the person who told Ben to leap in the first place. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 130, Let Them Play. Coach, what do we do? Do we have anyone else? No. Everyone else is injured except... 23, come on. No, Coach, you can't take me out. Amanda, you play on that ankle again, you're out for good. Let's go, Gia's getting in the game. Bye damn time. Are you sure about this? Oh, yeah. You're a part of the team, aren't you? Yeah. You're all right, then. Let's get you out there. What are they doing? Ben G's trans. Gia. Whatever, Dad. Gia. And she's your daughter. Coach Carlos, a word? What did you think was going to happen when you put Gia in the game? I was kind of hoping we'd win. I have to keep this whole school together, Mr. Mendez. Don't ask me to fight a culture war for your daughter. We're thinking for Dottie. Who's we? Just some old friends. <laughs> That's funny, because I'm Dottie, and we're not friends. We have it from a reliable source that you spoke with this man, Dr. Ben Song, right here. The date on this photo is March 13th, 2022. Did you say March 13th? That was the week that I, uh... Does that date mean something to you? Who are you people? I've got some more info on Gia's family. Hit me. Oh, so Miriam, Gia's mother, has been an advocate for Gia since day one. Took her to the trans care program at the L.A. Children's Hospital when Gia came out in the fifth grade. Her father, Carlos, well, you, has been coaching Gia's travel teams on both sides of her transition. You took the job coaching at Lake Hill and moved the family earlier this year. Apparently, Gia is the first out trans student that the school has had. Basketball I can do, but what do I know about supporting a trans kid? What does Ziggy say? It's not good. When you put G in the game, it put her on a different timeline. But she still runs away and they never find her. You have to stop her from running away, Ben. Or else she is going to be lost forever. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 12, Let Them Play, a historic episode for Quantum Leap, is it not? Definitely. Yeah. Not a topic they've tackled before. 
Yeah, I mean, and getting back to the roots of the show, a classic issues episode, it was a lot, lot to unpack here. We'll get into initial impressions, but before we start the um, conversation, I'm really, really happy that we have also, as a special guest on this show, Josie Lynn Aguilera, who played Gia in the episode. Yeah. So Matt, once again, another one that you set up, you're nailing these interviews, uh, tell us how it came about. Yeah, I reached out to her on um, Instagram and, and got chatting to her and just said, look, you know, we're really excited about the episode. This was before the screener had even dropped. Um, but I said, look, you know, we're, we're interested in talking to you. And she was so super kind and uh, so, so excited to be asked. And of course, then, you know, we saw the screener. So I was able to send her a message saying, oh, my God, we're even more excited to talk to you now. And uh, she was she was just psyched to talk to us. So, yeah, really pleased with it. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great get for the show. And uh, we will be bringing you that interview with Josie Lynn after the break. So stick around for that. And uh, guys, so much to unpack here. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest with you. When I had watched the episode, I really enjoyed it. And then I watched it again and I started taking the notes. And for the first time ever on the podcast, I think I got a little bit of stage fright. Like, I, how, how do I talk about this stuff? How, you know, there's, there's, yeah. there's just so many topics that, you know, me coming in discussing as I'm just, I'm going to say it. I mean, just as just a straight white guy, what do I have to say about this? Who, who am I to pass judgment or to comment about, about this? But, um, I had the good fortune of uh, being on the after show with Albie and uh, Jesse Gender that's on the YouTube channel, the Quantum Leap After Show. I think I was now calling it the Quantum Leap Podcast, Quantum Leap After Show. So that's not <laughs> – <laughs> but uh, thankfully, I was able to get some of my thoughts together there. So um, if you guys are listening to this and also watching that, I'm sorry you might hear some repeat observations. I only have so many. So, But <laughs> I think I think that the, uh, the audience for both this show and that show are still somewhat separate. Yeah, well, and it, I think it's awesome that uh, you guys had Jesse on there as well um, yeah. to offer her perspective. So it's not just straight white guys; it's also a, a trans <laughs> woman's perspective. Yeah. So I think that's really good that uh, that we have that. And thanks, Jesse, for being on there. It's good to have a variety of perspectives because I think, especially when you're talking about an issues-led episode like this, there is going to be a certain amount of education quote-unquote, which is aimed at people other than the people telling the story quite naturally. So I think our, our views of the episode and how we understood it are perfectly valid. And I, I, I hope your stage fright didn't uh, didn't take over too much, Chris, because I think it's um, it's important to, to know how you took it, as well as clearly hearing the story from a, a trans person's perspective as well. Well, Jessie was terrific because she made me feel comfortable about it because I expressed these trepidations right off the bat. And she said, no, of course, that's that's understandable. But yeah. you guys also know that the second I get my face in front of a microphone, most fear just drops away and I just start yakking. <laughs> You're like, hey, yo, how you doing? <laughs> this episode was incredible. Huh? Am I right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> Suddenly you're in an episode of uh, Welcome Back, Cotter or something. I don't know. <laughs> Up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I'm telling you, these trans kids, they're going through so much. <laughs> uh, what did Freddie Boom Boom Washington say? Hi there. 
I loved Welcome Back, Hotter as a Kid. I could we could do a whole podcast about that. Maybe that's yeah, a fan tweet. Right? Talking about loving that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the fan we did. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so hey guys, uh, why don't we get some first impressions of Let Them Play, Allison? Let's start with you. Yeah, um, I, I I had a better time watching this. Uh, this one than last week, uh, which is weird because I, I would have thought I'd like that one better. And I, I did like that one. But anyway, we don't want to go back into that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that it was good that they were able to cover this topic. Uh, I'm really happy they were able to do it. There's a lot of anti-trans uh, rhetoric going around right mm-hmm. now. And that's exactly what Quantum Leap is for, to tackle subjects like this. So yeah. And how about you, Matt? Yeah, 100% um, such an important topic and very, sadly, very timely right now. And, you know, it it could have been an adequate episode and still just the fact that it was such an important topic would have raised it up. But actually, I I tried to really distance myself from the importance of the message and just tried to focus on the show. And I still thought it was it was a damn good episode. So uh, it won on, on both fronts for me. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed the episode. Um, Both times by the end of it, I was cheering up and I felt joyful. Mm -hmm. And um, I I, I expected this to be very heavy. It was very heavy at parts. But I just want to give uh, congratulations to the new cast and crew of Quantum Leap and the powers that are running the show because Quantum Leap has always been a very issues-oriented show. But a lot of controversial stuff they would tackle – kind of circumspectly. And I think about Running for Honor, mm-hmm. when at the end, Sam said, does it make a difference? And I was like, well, yeah, I think it does if you want to talk about representation. And this one is Quantum Leap taking it head on, pulling no punches, just talking about an issue, you know, frankly and sincerely, and presenting so many different points of view on the issue. And uh, I, this script, to me, <laughs> it was so packed. I expected the show to just fly apart because it, it tried to do so much. But but it didn't. I think um, it really uh, was an effective piece of television on all fronts and including, you know, the overarching story for the season. Some of the lore stuff we got this time was just amazing. So, yeah, I, I think that this is probably one of the strongest episodes of the new series so far. And it's the one or one of the two that feels the most like the old Quantum Leap to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I felt like there was a, a lot more focus on people rather than the tech and the sci-fi <laughs> and the time travel shenanigans like it, it felt very much like it was focused on Gia and her story and all of the other um, trans representation in the story yeah and in terms of that that representation I, and I'm sure we'll come on to this but I just wanted to make an early shout out for Mason because I'm very conscious and I come off every podcast recording thinking I don't really say much about Mason and I don't say much about Mason because a lot of their material is comic relief stuff and as a critic I I just don't have much to say about the comic relief I enjoy it when it's there and then we come on to record and I just kind of forget about it and um, it was so good seeing Mason being given some really tough material that I could get to grips with and and enjoy on a whole different level. I think that that was one of the most positive um, advancements for the show because I'm re- huh. Matt. I know you've seen this and you probably have too, Allison. Did you ever see the um, the TNG documentary? I think it was called Chaos on the Bridge. Yeah. Oh, not for a while, but yeah. 
Well, it, one thing that stood out to me is that um, they said the show was basically a disaster for the first two seasons because they didn't really know how to focus it. Oh, there were a lot of reasons it was a disaster <laughs> the first two seasons. But the formula that they came up with where the show started to hit its stride was they would have episodes um, every week focusing on one or two characters. And then everybody else mm -hmm. would have a part, but it would be a Geordie episode or a yeah. Data episode or not just Space Adventure of the Week. And I feel like this was a very organic way to make an Ian episode that also gives you some backstory on the character and to let them shine in a way that is organic to the leap. Yeah. And yeah. it was Shakina who wrote this episode and she also directed it. She kind of nailed that aspect. I feel like the show has been struggling to find that kind of footing and yeah. um, she found the sweet spot. Yeah. I think that's something that the show has, has been struggling with trying to um, service so many things at once and it, it becomes a little too busy and complicated and i feel mm. like this episode felt very stripped back and simple i mean it was it was covering a lot of complicated topics but it didn't feel complicated and i think uh mason's performance in this episode i appreciated because they got a lot of great moments um it felt more meaningful also because we're not seeing mason doing this every week and i feel like they're trying to fit in too many heart to hearts and too many like moments for everyone every week to the point where it ceases to have meaning. So like if everyone's always crying and talking about their feelings, I, I don't really connect as much as when they really pick when the meaningful moments are going to happen. So I felt like with Ian, I felt more for the character than say Addison's story, which is an equally important issue to bring up, but because Addison is always having these heart-to-hearts and always crying, I just kind of feel like it didn't connect with me. But I felt like this was very much Ian's episode, and uh, they integrated it in a way that felt natural. They haven't made Ian's character solely about being non-binary or being trans, and that was something that Mason mentioned in our interview that they appreciated that they were allowed to be a character on a show, come to work and put on the costume and act and not worry about everything being about their story. Yeah. And at the mm -hmm. same time, it is an important part of the character. And they brought up that aspect in this episode and explored that further. So are we all hoping now that this is the start of a different way of approaching the project stuff where maybe next week, might have a bit more of a focus on Jen with everyone else a little bit more in the background and then maybe a magic episode, that that kind of thing, like the TNG way of bringing different characters to the foreground. If if they connected these things a little more, I would, I would feel like I cared a little more about what they were doing at the project. Okay. I agree. I think that um, I was hoping for more of a sea change like that in season two because we still have the mystery box and uh, provided they don't do another mystery box, that's always up in the air. You never know if they're going to keep this format of storytelling. But uh, we've discussed this before. I feel like the format of storytelling that the show is currently embracing is fundamentally at odds with the format of storytelling that I'm comfortable with, that I enjoy, where you see multiple sides, but everything's thematically related. I think they've been trying to do that and not and not nailing it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we we um a lot of people, not just us, criticized uh, Stand by Ben for the the Jen subplot in the elevator talking mm -hmm. about her dad, and uh, there is sort of a connection there. It feel it felt like such a non sequitur, but 
there was the connection with the family and, and connecting to parents and, and whatever. They've got this very, this family theme going throughout the whole show. So I think that was the idea with that plot. Mm-hmm. But it just felt utterly disconnected uh, from all the other stuff that they'd been setting up. It felt a, a little contradictory to the story that was happening on The Leap, to be honest. You know, like, you shouldn't... um make up with your toxic parents, but maybe you should. I don't know. You know, it was a little bit of a mess. Um, but I think like in this episode, it it gelled a lot more and it, it made a lot more sense that these characters were organically talking about these things rather than just bringing up in a line, you know, wh- whatever topic they want to talk about. Like Ian was talking about this stuff because it was a personal story to them. It wasn't just like, I got to throw this line out here as a, as a quote. <laughs> Mm. Like, it felt more organic to me. Yeah, and I think that was a strength of this episode. As I said before, it seemed to have to serve a lot of different masters, and there were so many point of views packed into this one. I mean, we had um, Ian's point of view as uh, someone from the queer community, a trans person, um, a non-binary person. You had Gia's point of view, of course, because she was the center of the story, but you also had the point of view of the parents yeah. of the trans kid. You had the opposition point of view for, from the bigotry. You had the point of view of the teammates, you know, some struggling to, to reconcile, but being open-minded. I think that they did a really great job of doing the, quote, everyman point of view, too, through Addison. Because her story is – it's very specific to the military, right? She's talking about Mm -hmm. the trans ban in the military. But her whole thing was, I just stood back and I said to myself, what can I do? Look, I knew it was wrong. But I didn't know what to do. What could I do? It it wouldn't have changed the decisions. And I feel like that that's where most people are. Like, you're sympathetic – yeah. Mm-hmm. But you say, well, but what can I do? And it was an amazing thing. I'd never heard this before, but Ian talking to Addison, they made a distinction between ally and accomplice. I think what Gia needs now more than anything is an accomplice. Like an ally? No, no. Allies, they sit in the bleachers, they wave a flag. An accomplice actually has skin in the game. When they brought that up, I had never heard that before. But it, it's just like, okay, I guess you, you can do more than just say, you know, tweet about it and wring your hands. Maybe you, you can do more to further a cause or something like that. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes, uh, like, I, I think, like, it's important they brought that up. I think sometimes even just tweeting something in support does help just to make your voice heard. There's certainly more things that you can do. Um, but what she was talking about was the fact she just didn't say anything. She didn't do anything, you know, and there's maybe not much else you can do, but but say something. If I had fought harder, then I could have changed the lives of the people that were in my command. And at the end of the day, maybe that's the point. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing. I, I kind of wish that her talking about that to Ben had been... Uh, condensed into her scene with Ian a little bit because I feel like again there's like too many kind of let's stop and talk about our feelings things where you could like maybe condense them into certain scenes to it because it felt like just like trying to fit all of these things in there and maybe there was like one or two elements that were a little too busy but I get the importance of bringing up that moment I think like her talking to Ian about that still would have brought about talking about allies and accomplices etc yeah i in some ways i agree but i do wonder if they'd have played it like that that would have almost put ian in the position of having to grant forgiveness or otherwise it it might have come across as a bit forced yeah i mean i i get that um 
I don't know. I think maybe also part of it is because, like, <laughs> I kind of get tired of every story from Addison being about <laughs> being in the military. Okay. Like, I... This is another little side tangent. Um, I feel like they're making her personality military, and that's a facet of a person and not the entirety of them. So I, I would just like to maybe know a little bit more about her. Like, it's it's the thing with all of these these heart-to-hearts. That I get the points of them. Like, that doesn't make them unimportant individually. I think just altogether, like, the show is... It, it doesn't hit with me as much as it could if perhaps they were a little more choosy with how much they decide to put in in every episode. I have to say, though, I mean, that separation that you're talking about, Allison, I think narratively it's important because when Ian is telling their story, you want the focus to solely be on Ian and their experience and what they went through and the harrowing experience that they had. And I feel like if Addison's had said, oh, yeah, and this is what happened to me, it's almost like, you know what? This is not the time. It's not It's not like we're mm. comparing notes sure. here. Yeah. Maybe they could have just, like, condensed it down when she was talking to Ben and not have it be a let's stop and talk about it thing and maybe just mention it, like how she felt bad about it or something. And then, like, you know that's what's on her mind when she's talking to Ian. I don't know. This is this is not specific to this episode and more uh, the show as a whole, I guess. But also, I think specific to this episode, since we're talking about story structure, I want to get into some other stuff. But since we're here, if I had to point to one weakness of this episode, it was the somewhat segmented nature of some of the scenes. Yeah. While they were effective, there were portions where I felt like we were veering dangerously close into PSA territory. It was a little on the nose sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I I noticed it a lot more the first time because I was like, this is different, especially the scene when they're at group and um, Gia is dancing around with um, all the other kids and the parents are in their group talking about how hard it is and, you know, some of the problems that they face being the parents of a trans kid. And then they had the whole spotlight segment where they Mm, were just showing all of the kids, see me, see me, see me, you know. I thought it was a wonderful speech, but like you said, Allison, it was a little on the nose and it took me out of the episode the first time. Second time I watched it, I was like, God, this is really good because I kind of knew it was coming. So I, I had to accommodate the flow of the episode, but still that doesn't make it any less um, uh, hinky, you know? Yeah, no, uh, Phelan said the same thing when we were watching it. He thought it looked like a, a commercial or something. Um, but I get artistically why they're doing it. And like, I, I get why it's, it's meaningful to people. And I think this episode as a whole is going to mean a lot to a lot of trans people who don't see themselves represented. So uh, I got some issues with with the presentation, but I think like it's better that it's out there. Yes, there there is that representation. There's there's plenty of TV shows that could not get away with doing this at all. Quantum Leap is a place where they can do that. And yeah, it it sort of took me out of it, but equally, even while it was happening the first time, I was thinking, you know what, I don't, I don't actually care that maybe in a, in a little way I'm almost being lectured to, because it's a message that needs to be said. And Quantum Leap is such a good place to put this. So I felt very much in two minds about it. I identified it, but I also said, you know what, damn it, I, I see the kind of stuff that I see online all the time. I'm proud to have a connection to a show that's that's doing this. However. PSA-ish it gets occasionally. Yeah, this episode, um, I think the reason why it felt more classic is because 
there was so little focus on back at the project, let's talk about uh, how does this time travel thing work and why <laughs> is this going on? And what if it's the, and then pontificating about all of the little plot details or whatever, and then explaining it and going 500 different ways about the timey wimey whatever of it. There was so little of that. It was just, let's tell a story and sci-fi is a means to get to it. Yes, And I think that's, where quantum leap shines like um it's not really a sci-fi show it's time travel as a means to an end and i felt like this explored it more it also was um ben was there for a, a period of time it wasn't just he jumps in to stop an event that same day or you know a few hours from there and then or whenever like he was living in that life a little more i felt like that flowed a lot better you, like you were able to connect a little better to the story than just he jumps in he's got to get the mission done and get out although that's where my one real issue with the episode comes what the hell did ben really do most of the time he put he put her in the game he put her in the game at the start <laughs> yeah he let her play he let like them play <laughs> but then she was she was also gonna run away and disappear so i mean oh yeah he found out she was going to run away and two scenes, she ran out out of the scene and he just stood there and watched and then went, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Ben did, he, he kind of went to useless. the sidelines a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I, it wasn't something that I noticed the first time. Um, I didn't notice that till the second time through because I was so engaged, as I guess Ben was, in watching everything that was going on around him. I just then watched with a bit more of a critical eye and thought, you know what? He doesn't do much. and I- It's the Indiana Jones syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think I, I would have found it interesting if he had leaped into a trans person. But I, I don't know if maybe that would have been taking the story away and, and giving it to a, a cisgendered person. I don't know. But um, maybe like he could have been a trans person that's in the periphery of the story or something where it's still Gia's story. So it's not just about him, you know. Uh but yes, I, I, I'm not sure if it was the most interesting person to leap into, but I do think like I I liked seeing him as a protective father. Like, you know, he sees her like taking off her off her top at the at the car wash and it's a little too revealing. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm gonna go follow her. Yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> Wait that a was fun. Just being like a dad. Yeah. And that is one of the um the things we talked about a few times when we're talking about the classic series is the kind of white savior role that sam sometimes plays where like yeah okay all these people whether they're people of color or whatever can't possibly help themselves until our hero comes in to save them and i guess this was an attempt to avoid that this is a story about trans people so yeah it's a fine line to to walk between like are they taking the story away or not but also there there's the part of walking in someone else's shoes there's the part of yes. sometimes having someone who is so far from that life suddenly thrust into that learning from that experience um demonstrating you know there there really shouldn't be as much of a difference as there is you know like if a cisgender person leaps into a trans person and they're still treated like a trans person is treated you know like kind of demonstrates that there shouldn't be that difference why yeah I think the choice of Ben Sleepy in this was actually very deliberate because it could show the multiple points of view that the script wanted to explore in the sense that as Gia's dad, Ben was able to 
move into every separate kind of world that you might encounter organically. He could be there at the school. So you had sort of the school segments and the oppression at the school. He could be at the group. So you could get the point of view of the parents of, of the trans kids. I think that it was a way for them to facilitate a lot of the themes that they wanted to get across in the episode. Sure. Because at the end of the day, this isn't Ben's episode. This is Gia's episode. And sure. um, mm-hmm. I'm, we have to give props to Josie Lynn for the amazing job she did because this entire show was riding on her shoulders and her performance. And man, nerve wracking is probably an understatement, but I think that she really just did a phenomenal job with everything that she was given. And like I said, towards the end, both times, just like tearing up with just the, the joy of it. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was her story, and it was uh, Ian's story, and they were the ones in focus. It wasn't about Ben or Addison or Magic or Jen or any of that. Like It was definitely them, and they were front and center. Hmm. Yeah, and from the very beginning where Gia is literally forced into a closet, um, I said, hmm. okay, this, <laughs> yeah, this, this might be on the nose. But I was talking to Jesse about that, and she joked that, yeah, I mean, it might be metaphorical, but no, that's actually really true because – when um, a lot of schools are confronted with this, they don't have any accommodations for trans mm-hmm. kids. They're not allowed in one place and not in another place. And quite often they do get like shoved into a closet because there's no place else for them to go. So what Jesse was telling me was that's that's actually very true to life. Mm-hmm. So um, everybody should go watch that after show because, again, it's the benefit of a point of view that none of us have that are talking right now. Yeah. And, you know, she can decode some of these things and help us navigate through some of these story beats. And um, she's really funny to boot. So <laughs> I'm really proud that that we did that show. And Albie was thrilled with it as well. So definitely go see that on the YouTube channel. I'm going to keep plugging that because um, I think it's it's a milestone for us as well as a podcast. Anyway, what did we think about Principal Titus? <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, if there was a thankless role on this episode, it was that principal role. I mean, even the even the mean mom had some kind of nuance, you know. Yeah. Again, Jesse was talking about this. The point of view that she represented was much more of a turf point of view, in the sense that you could see that she had, you know, talked about fighting for women's equality and for Mm -hmm. uh, females in sports. I was my daughter's age. We didn't have girls sports. We had to fight for Title IX. So I'm not going to sit here as you take away women's sports because you think there's no difference between boys and girls. I didn't pick up on that in the sense that I was just thinking, okay, here's the bigot because drama demands the bigot for a story like this. You know, did you guys pick up on that or? Oh, yeah. I picked up on the turfy stuff. Yeah, but I was so pleased that they included that background because it's, I, I think, in anything like this, it, it helps not to just have the moustache-twirling villain type, um, no matter how we may feel about turfs and their horrific, bigoted views. Understanding where that's come from is really interesting dramatically, and yeah, I I really like that moment. Didn't make me feel sympathetic for it, just to clarify, but it helped me understand where some of those things can can bubble up from. 
it ties into you know a lot of uh rhetoric that you hear now uh mm. people saying like it, they they think that it sounds reasonable like oh yeah if you do this for trans people it's taking opportunities away from quote real women you know unquote yeah um there's uh the fact in the, in the beginning uh when gia plays in the game everyone's like oh you're a cheater because they think like oh automatically if you were assigned male at birth then you're better at this yes. sport than than women and you can't <laughs> <laughs> can't play with the women or you know all, all this stuff like yeah, yeah all of the talking points here they're things that you still hear now oh yeah so yeah i i got exactly why those things were in there and yeah yeah and that's I, i'm sorry i had a chuckle in the sense that yeah just because you're assigned male at birth you're going to be better at sports i guarantee you it's that yeah, any one they, of those they girls think there's some science to it they're like <laughs> oh because the testosterone <laughs> right. like, whatever any one of those girls on that court even though they were actors playing basketball players could still beat me at basketball <laughs> yep same <laughs> yeah. yeah like it's it's dumb and uh the title of the episode is so simple but it's great let them play just let them play like just leave trans kids alone let them just do what they like do what other kids do let them play basketball let them play games let them be kids like it's ridiculous to to have this this hatred and all of these laws and um all of this bigotry over nothing and i think that that is also um maybe one of the strongest parts of the episode in the sense that um, let them be kids um let them play when gia has the speech sort of at the end it gave me another wrinkle that i'd never even considered the fact that the parents are on her side they've been with her on both sides of the transition nurturing her love of sports nurturing everything that she is but She's resentful because they're too overprotective. She says, I need you to start letting me live my life, to play basketball and to hang out with my friends, to stay out too late and make mistakes. I know you're scared. And I'm sorry it's so scary being parents of a trans kid. But you've got to get over it because your fear is not my responsibility. I was just like, holy shit. Like, wow. Because again, you think, well, they're on her side. They just want the best for her. And then you realize that she's just going through a lot of teen stuff too. It, this is all like, you know, it, it, it doesn't all have to do with the fact that she's transgender, even though that's at the kernel of it. But it's also just a lot of like, just let me be me, you know, stop being so overbearing. Um, even though I know that you love me, I, I, you love me so much. I think I need to run away. And mm -hmm. I know that that wasn't the impetus in the show. The impetus was she found out that, that they had agreed that she couldn't play in order to take the job. That was a condition of putting her on the team, which is just beyond shitty. But again, it shows you like, okay, so what, what are we going to do here? And I think that that was another way that the episode really played up the aspect of people being at odds, like saying, I want to do something, but what can I do? And um, maybe making the wrong choice, even if they are on the right side. Which is just, uh, to me, that's fascinating. Like, that's just really good writing. At the same time, we were talking about this. I mean, we did have some stuff uh, with Ian and um, their experience jiving with the rest of the Leap. But we had some great stuff from um, how Gia's experience mirrors Ben's experience, right? They've been trying to do this a lot. 
in the last few episodes, especially in Fellow Travelers, where they're talking about the stuff on the leap, but they're really talking about Ben's journey as a leaper. I have to fight every day just to be who I know I am while everyone else around me tells me I'm someone else, even my own reflection. Ben has that look. Ben just has that brief look. It's such a such a wonderfully acted moment because it's he doesn't even say a word. I don't think he just it's just a look for a moment. I get that. I'm, I'm wondering if they're they're using that to plant seeds because we have not really yet explored Ben's overall reaction to the situation he's in. Everything he's doing is is situational and reactionary, but not on the bigger picture. It's always in in terms of okay, what's in front of me? Yeah, I think. Um, when we interviewed him uh, right back at the start of the season, Ray was already thinking about that kind of thing, about what, what the overall impact of um, losing yourself in all these leaps uh, would be. And he said he was he was tracking all that stuff. Now, whether that's for anything that the, the writers were considering or whether that's just for something more internal, uh, we don't know yet. But that's interesting. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff would hit more with me, I think, if I felt that with Ben's character. I still don't know if I really know Ben's character enough to know his reaction, his what his identity is. Um, I think they're, they're still trying to figure that out, but I feel like a lot of these leaps, it just feels like it's just Ben being Ben. He doesn't really have to be anyone but himself. It, but it, it, whoever Ben is, I mean, we know he's... Uh, a cinephile, I guess. He likes movies, uh, <laughs> quantum physicist. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if I really know who Ben is enough to know he, he's struggling for his identity or anything. He seems very comfortable in a lot of the situations he's in. Even this episode, I think he feels for Gia a lot. Like um, he's trying to do the right thing. Uh, I don't know if he's that uncomfortable in his situation as as the father. I'm not sure if that puts him really in in that different of a position than than any other leap, really. But yeah, I, I would like for them to explore that some more. That's one of the aspects of Quantum Leap that I I really like is that you have to really explore what your identity is if you're in that kind of situation to try and hold on to that while you're becoming all these other people. And and I don't know if they've really hit that yet. And I'm trying to remember how much of that we got beyond um, what we saw in Genesis in the first season of the original. I guess we did have him talking about Katie and Chuck in Kamikaze Kid and um, I guess some Al stuff too about uh, – well, everything is always about Al's backstory somehow because <laughs> Al fixes everything. But – I think the show has time to get there. And I think a lot of times, I mean, one of the main draws for me of watching the classic series is just seeing Sam being Sam because he's just such a good guy and just such a charismatic kind of person. He is usually Sam in every situation, just, well, yeah, with, just with a different Sam, outfit. He, <laughs> you know? yeah, he's always Sam, but he has to be a lot of different people. Um, that's where the part of the conflict comes from because – you know who Sam is, you know who Sam isn't. Um, so he has to be something that he isn't. He has to be other people, not necessarily becoming those other people. There's episodes where the line is uh, blurred there. But if you're one person and you're, this is parallel to the trans experience, if you see yourself one way and everyone's telling you that you are something else, you know who you are inside, but you're being treated with everyone else is seeing you as. So I don't think like any of the characters really are, are built enough for me to know exactly who they are yet. 
but especially with Ben, I mean, that should be a big part of his identity. And uh, they've, they've been struggling with that a little bit because the initial episodes of this show, like we didn't know his reaction to anything at all. He didn't really seem to react to much of anything. So, um, and I don't know, he's been stuck in a lot of events and moments that he's had to get to, but he's so focused on the mission. There's no time to explore any of that anyway. And that's what was nice about this episode is that they took a little bit of time. Yeah. And I I think that the breakneck nature of the show has prevented a lot of that more introspective character stuff, which we've discussed before. Yeah. I'm hoping again that this episode shows them how they can do that kind of stuff more effectively how you can build some empathy and some backstory for the character in a much more organic way. And it shows you that, hey, wait a minute, we can take a breath and still have an amazing episode. It doesn't have to be everything, everywhere, all at once, all the time. You, you've been watching that movie? I know I haven't seen it, but uh, I realized as I was saying it, ah, just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I've heard good things. That being said, I think a lot of a lot of good stuff this week about the lore. So much good lore. <gasps> lore stuff. All right, Alison, you can cover your ears for a bit. Well, you know what? I got to say, I got to say, we've been reading the novels a lot lately, right? Because uh, that's just where we're at when we're in between these episodes. And an amazing thing has just become canon, at least in this new version of Quantum Leap. The hologram remembers both histories. Or is unaffected, anyway, by the changes Ben makes when they're in the imaging chamber. That's something that Ashley writes about all the time in her novels. How Al is the only one that seems to remember that anything was different. Because Addison comes out of the imaging chamber, and what Ben just did is establish history for Ian. That's how Ian remembers it. And when she won the game, and it was all over the news. Wait, wait, the game that she just won? Yeah, it was iconic before we even called things iconic. Ian... She only played because Ben put her in right now. As soon as she was on the court, Ziggy started updating. I've invested by my own technology. And I I was like, are we reading a book? (laughs) Didn't they already say something earlier in this show about the people at the project, like everyone could remember something or something about quantum energy or something? I feel like they threw out something like that because they're family. Whatever. (laughs) I got family. I don't know. I don't know what's consistent here, but... Yeah, I wasn't too sure about that. Because also, like, I mean, look at things like O Ye of Little Faith, when Ian spends a lot of time looking at the websites, and then at the end of the episode, the webpage isn't there anymore because history's updated. But then surely, if Ian's memory has been adjusted based on what's happened in the leap, Ian shouldn't even remember having looked at the website or just think that they've been looking at a 404 error page the entire episode. It, it's it's about as yeah. consistent as the original series ever was with this, let's face it. I, it, it was a cool <laughs> moment, but I think it was there because story, because drama, it, it needed to happen for Ian to remember the revised history, but I'm not entirely sure it's consistent with what's come before and probably what will come after. I'm not sure I care. It w- it was inconsistent uh, in the original show too, but like, yeah. why would Addison remember and not them? Especially because there doesn't seem to be the same connection that they we kind of headcanoned that it was because of either the the brainwave connection or some connection to Ziggy or something. There's some reason that Al was had to be the observer, and it was difficult for anyone else to be. 
But we now know Ian can just wander into the imaging chamber, and that's cool. Yeah, Ian, in this episode, just wanders into the imaging chamber, seems to be connected without even touching Addison. It seems like that's not a thing. Addison was originally meant to be the Leaper, so it's not like she was meant to be the Observer anyway. So, I don't know. It was a cool moment, so I'm not going to pick it apart too much. It was a cool moment, and... Ian's line made me laugh out loud twice. Yes. <laughs> so. I've invested by my own technology. It was a hoot. And it was it was a beautiful moment at the end having Ian at the match getting to to see it. It was only like a little voice in the back of my head saying, Well, hang on, if anyone can just step in and become a hologram, why is Addison constantly there not being able to sleep or eat properly? Because she can't leave Ben alone for two seconds. She has to be there. <laughs> She's apparently waiting there. 0.2 seconds before the leap starts like yeah. he starts and then know, she's just right? like hey I'm Ben what's going on I'm in here I'm here to tell you everything and I got all the information I was looking this up before he even showed up yeah it was really great information she gave him too after like uh, Gia calls him dad like she's like hey that's your daughter like cool I'm glad you were here to provide this Addison <laughs> well, I was thinking about like the hologram shenanigans and the fact that um, you know I it just reminded me of, in the original series, one of my favorite episodes, but it has just now occurred to me after watching this, um, in Killing Time, when Gushy is the hologram, right? And he's having trouble getting a lock on Sam. He looks all wonky. But then they have this thing where Gushy is out next to Al, somewhere out in, in uh, by Sex World. Sex World. But yeah. Al can't see him. How is Gushy manifesting anywhere outside of an imaging chamber? I love that moment because it's such a cool episode, but I never stopped to think this makes no sense. There's there's not even an interface where he can be at that he can. Well, no, I, no, hang on. It makes how, perfect how Gushy's he... in the Gushy is in the imaging chamber and he, he was projecting to Sam through time and space. Now he's projecting to Al through space. That's, that's fine. <laughs> okay. It's. It, I, I don't know how. How do you have no issue with him with holograms being projected through time and space, but not through just through space? Because of the neural link, I guess. Well, yeah, but and the neural link, neural link is all wonky. But again, if you accept that Gushy can can have a connection to Sam, then Gushy can have a connection to Al. But he's in an imaging chamber that facilitates that connection and manifests yes. him to Sam in that certain time and place. Yeah, Gushy is in the imaging chamber at that point as well. Uh, I don't buy it. I mean, we we don't know that he's not. It's just that Al is there and then a hologram appears. I, I think it's there's no reason for Gushy to say, hey, I just stepped into the imaging chamber. It, it, you just know that that's where he must be. I, I still don't buy it. <laughs> I mean, what, I, I'm, sure that, I'm sure he's in the imaging chamber. I just don't buy that he could somehow manifest to Al out on the street. But but to, but to Sam in a random house like 50 years ago, that's fine. Because that's all part of the project. Al is outside of the project. <laughs> but Al has a neural link to Sam, so that the, the three of them are connected in some kind of neurological three-way. Oh, <laughs> chicka, wow, wow. All right. No, you're starting to turn me around. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> that's all I got. But that's but they've, if they've tweaked the brainway so that he can connect to Sam, and Sam is already connected to Al, then... It just it just makes sense. I, I've honestly never even questioned that, and I'm still not questioning it. I think it's fine. <laughs> I've never questioned stop it either. complaining until this I, moment. Ian, yes, sir. Yes, sorry. Ian stop walking in though. Ian walking in though, and just just being there. I, I'm I'm glad Ben never turned round and said, "Oh, 
There's Ian. I, I recognize them. Do, that's a question I have. Yeah. Does does Ben know what Ian looks like? Does Ben know anything about the people at the project? I'm not sure there was ever a a moment on this show where he was reintroduced to them. It just seemed like he just knew. Like, he didn't remember Addison, and then she said, you know, who she was. And then, like, it feels like any mentions of anyone else after that, he just, you know, would be like, Ian says this. Okay. Like he, like, he knows who Ian is. Does he, what does he remember about anyone? Oh, you're complaining about stuff from, like, episode one or two now. That's, 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 that was weeks ago. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, this is the first time Ian would have been visible to Ben. Does he know what Ian looks like? Oh, yeah, but that's my point. We don't know that they would have been visible to Ben. We just know the other way around. Ian was there in the imaging chamber and could see everything going on around them. But because we didn't have Ben doing a reaction, it's possible. And for my head, it's really good at not reacting to things, isn't he? Don't they they love Ben not reacting to things? It's really interesting. It's great. I love how Ben doesn't react to things. It's cool. If Ben if Ben can't see Ian, then that does remove my concern about well, why isn't Addison working shifts? If Ben can see Ian, then Addison should absolutely be working shifts. And it's it's crazy it's that because, all those people it's at the project. Because Addison's clingy and doesn't want to leave him alone for two seconds. That's why <laughs> she's running around with that frying pan, saying, "You stay away from my man." Everybody's got a job, and uh, it's Addison's job to be the hologram. And Ian is too valuable in the control room, interacting with Ziggy in some way that we don't get to see. <laughs> Ian's gotta um, be scrolling on their iPhone. <laughs> 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 They're too busy doing their hair. (laughs) So to me, that was a nice moment. The story justified that moment. That was more about a narrative bow. Hey. Don't watch again. Are you? Are you serious right now? Come on. This is so against the rules. Hey, I am just holding it alive and accomplice. You're an accomplice. It was it was beautiful and it made me cry. It's just then that there has to be that part of me also trying to figure out, yeah, but, but that, you know, that's fine. It was just a very nice moment. So I don't have that many issues with it. If they explore this in as much as this show explores anything when it comes to the technology, um, if they do go down this road again, I, I, yeah, I definitely need more. I need more. Okay. How does that work? And what are the parameters? I don't need them to explain all this. Every time they explain how things work, it just makes me mad. (laughs) Just don't. (laughs) So you can tune out at that point, but I need it. I need it for me. I I would just like anytime they explain things, they always have to stop and have a big exposition dump about it. I feel like this show needs to stop doing so many exposition dumps because even things that don't need to be exposition dumps, they do anyway. Like I talked about when Addison first shows up, first of all, she doesn't need to be there in the first two seconds. Um, She was immediately there to like, realistically is she just standing around waiting and then she two seconds pulls up this information but they could have had her not show up in the first scene and ben would still get the same information he would have got that gia is trans and that he is her father and uh she's having trouble fitting in because people are going boo you're a cheater whatever and he could have gathered that information Instead of Addison going in there and then repeating exactly what he's hearing and and providing really nothing there. And then she could have come in later and said like, okay, so you gathered this and here's, you know, I'm going to fill in the blanks about what else is going on rather than have her do like the info dump at the beginning kind of redundantly. 
Does that not go back to the point that Chris made at the start, though, which is that this is a very tightly packed episode? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They didn't need that in there. They could have done this. The same information was in there without her going in and then saying, yada, 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 blee, 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 Gia's your daughter and she's trans. Like, he would have already gathered that information because everyone was saying all of that. So what was the point of her repeating the same information? I don't I don't, I don't recall if they ever called uh, Gia out for being trans before Addison says it in the episode. We know it going in because we know what the episode's going to be about. They start calling her a cheater. They're yelling at her. They said, you'll never be a real girl, all this other stuff. And she calls him dad. He could have very easily gathered that. He could have asked someone like something and they'd be like, oh, well, because she's trans, they're being jerks or something. Thing. Like, there was ways to do that without having Addison go in there and, and redundantly say the same information. Like she didn't. It was just an info dumpy way of saying it. All right, all right. I mean, that's fair enough. I just feel like that's sort of the format of the show. It's the hologram giving the leaper information. And hey, audience, this is what this episode's about. Yeah, but you don't have to have all of that. She could come in later and then say like, "Hey, it's 2012. Here's all of this the specifics to this situation." Like, that's what I'm saying, you don't need all of these info dumps. Like, it's an observer is a necessity needs to do some info dumps. They certainly did that in the old show. Uh like it can be kind of a thankless task sometimes for the actor, but you don't need to do all of these info dumps. That's what I'm saying. Like there are ways to organically put things in there and then when necessary, you got to give the rest of the information. Like they do a lot of talking about the story rather than doing the story. All right. I, I just feel like uh, it's as spoon feedy as Quantum Leap has ever been. And I think it's really just to hammer home to people who are at paying attention saying, oh, this is an episode about trans rights. You could have ended that scene with like Ben going like, oh, she's trans. And they'd be like, okay. Then the audience gets like, that's what's going on. And you gather that information. The audience is not as stupid as they treat them sometimes. Oh, I don't think that they're stupid. I think that they think that they're stupid. So, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, valid points, Allison. But I mean, that's just, it's, it's tomato, tomato as well. Um, I think that, uh, they did make some strides in this episode of doing things in a much better way than they have. And hopefully a lot of that stuff will start disappearing. I don't know if it will, uh, because different writers, different episodes, different flavors, but, um, they showed us in this episode that it can. And that it can yeah. be much more of a whole. Mm. So Growing Pains is what I'm chalking it up to, hopefully, Growing Pains. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll be able to veer away from from that kind of clunky exposition and unnecessary exposition as the show goes on and they settle into it and settle into the dynamic a little bit more. But we still have not talked about the big reveal. No. The awesome, awesome poetry of Shakina. <laughs> and whenever I smell Febreze, I think of him. She called it loneliness, but I called it toast. Honorary Vogon right there, baby. <laughs> it's funny, you, you mentioned Star Trek TNG right up front, and it this the, the poetry really reminded me of like one of those kind of latter season TNG five, six, seven when when they start getting into the ah, this this is this is what we all do on downtime. Sit in ten forward and watch some mediocre violinists or listen to data <laughs> do some crappy poetry or it really felt like that, but clearly intentionally. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Now, so I liked the Jen and Magic subplot of this. I knew the second when Dottie said that was the week. I was like, somebody leapt into into them. Uh, that's it. She's 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 a leapy. And um, sure enough, it proved right. But I was again 
who, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? When she brought out that sketch pad and showed those pictures of Ian, my jaw dropped. That to yes. me was the best reveal so far of this entire series. Better than um, Leaper X. And this is what I was talking about in in the last podcast that we we've had too many reveals that have just been Ben remembering something or Janice deciding to say something. Now this was along the same lines as that in that it was somebody saying, oh, here's some information, but it was done in such a different way and it was done by a character that we're not familiar with. So yeah, I agree. That was jaw-dropping and I loved it. And I was thinking, wow, they read Foreknowledge and stole Anne-Marie's story because <laughs> there was a scene where she she learns to draw and she draws Sam repeatedly over and over again. So, spoiler for my book <laughs> that we're going to be talking about in six or seven years. But um, anyway, so I've, I felt an affinity for it, for that as well because it's an idea that I have had and I was just like, oh, that that is neat. I am a good writer. Only kidding. Yeah. Yeah, no. It, I just liked the reveal. Um, Allison is suspiciously quiet. I, I don't yes. know. I, I, mileage may be varying on this point. What, what, what do you say, Pregler? I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay. It's okay not to like it, just because just we're being all excitable. Uh, I found those scenes embarrassing. Okay. Wow. Right. Okay. There we go. But the reveal itself didn't do anything for you? I don't care about the mystery box. Uh, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would spare very little thought about <laughs> what was going on with it. I, I, I've i made this clear. I've kind of given up on it. Yeah. So. All right. All okay. Right. All right. It's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, and... I, and we all know I, I'm probably an easier audience for the mystery bots because I'm still enjoying it. I was just starting to lose patience with the way they were doing it. And I felt that this was, especially getting getting Jen and Magic out of the project, which they, they haven't done for weeks now. Yeah, I, I'm glad that they've, they've started upping the ante a bit and doing it in a, a more engaging way. Yeah, I agree. And um, if we are going to get more mystery box reveals like this, I mean, that that to me is is sort of a, a big pivot point. So maybe the information will start coming a little bit more clearly, concisely, quickly, engagingly, instead of just frustratingly, I hope, because what have they got, six episodes left? I feel like the only the only thing that's going to happen because of this reveal is they're just going to talk to Ian a bunch at the project, maybe in Guantanamo Bay where they're keeping Janice, who knows? <laughs> uh, and then they'll be like, but why? And then nothing will change. All these scenes are the same. None of these twists change anything about the show. They just bring up another question. It's incredibly uninteresting to me. Well, I mean, like I said, mileage may vary. It remains to be seen on my end. I, I was really intrigued by this twist, and I'm looking forward to seeing where they take it, if they take it anywhere, indeed. But um, I, I feel like, again, maybe momentum towards wrapping this stuff up, which which I want to yeah. see. And naturally, you have to. We're in the back third of the season now. So they got to start bringing some of these things to fruition, all the stuff that they've been dangling, maybe start weaving it together a little bit. You know what the the the, the name – from the end of the last episode, the, the Janice cliffhanger was, it was Dottie. It's not a name that we know, so why was that a cliffhanger? That's such a, a shitty cliffhanger. I'm sorry. <laughs> All of the cliffhangers, are they suck. <laughs> like, I, I called it out as a shitty cliffhanger last week as well, so I'm not going to argue with you, but... Her, her cliffhangers have been, don't say anything and I will give you a name. What's the name? Uh, Dottie. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. If they'd have actually ended it with, oh yeah, her name's Dottie and this is how you can find her. Cut to end credits. That's that would have been arguably even worse because that's just there, nothing. That's why you don't do a twist like that. And then like Janice is just like, I'm not saying nothing. 
all right, I guess I'll say something. It's like, wow, what a great <laughs> development in the story. Yeah, we went over that last week. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like honestly, this is this is just a casualty of this type of storytelling. You can do a mystery box that's not nothing. <laughs> I well, again, I always bring up Trek, and especially that first season of Picard, which was just a pile of mystery box garbage. And the fact yeah. that uh, you mystery had to- box stuff has ruined television to me. <laughs> I, I believe so because what is the harm in having? stakes and knowing who your villain is and seeing them working countermeasures against you and and having that aspect of the story also being uh, dramatically interesting and intriguing i think of like well trek 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 but imagine ds9 without gultikot gultikot is one of the greatest villains in history and the fact that he was vying with cisco was such a great part of that show the tension between him and kira i i it's just good drama good character it's not what's gonna happen next huh yeah well i mean there's nothing wrong with having a mystery or having a cliffhanger but the thing is they they have to mean something and it can't be the entirety of it yeah uh i brought this up with the show before um almost everything about this mystery box has been people asking questions and pontificating about it but they're mm-hmm. not really doing a lot else I, I guess to give uh this episode some credit in that aspect at least the poetry slam stuff while i found it embarrassing maybe there's some rewatchability because they were doing something other than asking the question but most of these scenes with the project or any of the mystery related stuff has been people just saying but why blank uh and then when you look back at that and you know what the answer is is them just asking the questions interesting enough to watch back is is there something else happening other than wondering what the answer might be? Because if there isn't, you're going to have a lot of boring stuff to rewatch. I didn't really find them that interesting to begin with. We will see. Yeah, and that's why I say it's just, it's just a failure of the, the storytelling technique, in my opinion. You're missing such great opportunity for drama without having some kind of key villain or force to vie against. It's something that Discovery struggles with, too, even though they've tried to get back to more of a classic Trek trope. That whole thing with the, uh, the mystery last season was still mystery box nonsense, even though it was more science-based. Well, it's because Discovery is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about discovery is terrible <laughs> i like sonequa martin green but anyway um but again i think it's, it's it's again it's just a different style of television than i grew up with and it's not one that especially interests me which is why when i got that reveal at the end of this episode and my jaw dropped i was like well at least that's more like it at least to me this is compelling now has it felt like the cliffhangers ever really mean anything though? It feels like the follow-ups to them are always just reset to them asking but why at the project. Like it never feels like the cliffhangers change anything. Like a lot of the time when you do a cliffhanger on something, it's like, oh no, so and so has has died. Now all of a sudden everything is has changed or oh, this person was a bad guy all along. Now all of a sudden everything's changed. The cliffhangers on this on this show are just now here's the same question kind of reworded and then they will go back to square one like it doesn't feel like anything moves forward or or shifts anything in any significant way maybe in the next episode it will be different but i guarantee you next episode ian is just going to be asked some questions at the project and nothing will change all right we'll put a pin in that we'll see if you're right well more than likely you are but 
Um, like mm. I said, we're in we're in the back six years, so I think that we're going to see some more substantive developments with that part of the story. Anyway, I hope so. We were trying to speculate on the after show. You'll hear some of this. Um, Allison, I know you're not interested in that aspect of it, but Matt, do you have any kind of theories about what's going on? Uh, no, I'm I'm trying not to overthink it because I I like to be surprised. So yeah, I, and honestly, even just thinking on my feet here. I no, I have no idea. I have no idea what they're going to spring on us with this with this stuff. So, I don't have much of a theory either. Um, quite frankly, I'm still trying to parse it in my head as to what it could be. But we did discuss this on the after show. I told you I'd be plugging it this whole episode. I'm not going to repeat what we said there, but go and um, watch that after you listen to this. Um, uh, Albie does have some theories. Jesse has some thoughts on it as well. So um, you can get more of that kind of speculation over there. As of right now, though, I, I got nothing. You know, other than the fact that obviously Ian. Is is going to be leaping at some point in the future. That's about all I got. So I'm interested to see where they go with that. So, all right, guys, I, I don't know that I have any more to say about Let Them Play. So why don't we circle into some final thoughts? Allison. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad that they did this topic. And uh, I think that it was, um, yeah, it was a good outing. I'm Matt. Yeah, a uh, really important topic, really well handled, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm back in with how they're handling the mystery box stuff. And I think uh, this is a return to form for uh, sort of a classic leap, and I really enjoyed it. I especially loved Ben's speech when he says, You define the game by how you choose to play it. Hopefully they're going to be redefining the game and playing it a little bit differently going forward as the season wraps up. But we're not wrapping up yet. Everybody stay there because after the break, we will be bringing you our interview with Josie Lynn Aguilera. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the quantum leap podcast it goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. If you are trans and experiencing a crisis, or you know someone who is, please call Trans Lifeline at 877-565-8860 or visit translifeline.org for help. That number again is 877-565-8860 or visit translifeline.org for help. This is Dean Jarris, executive producer of Quantum Leap, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hey, everyone, we're back. And as promised, here's our interview with Josie Lynn Aguilera. Hey, this is Matt, Chris, and Albie at the Quantum Leap Podcast, and we're really excited today because we have with us a special guest, Jocelyn Aguilera. Uh, who plays Gia in the latest episode, Let Them Play. Uh, Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, not as excited as us. We are, we, we've just seen the episode. Um, we loved it. Uh, we've been talking about it all weekend. So uh, we're really happy to have you on us to talk about that. Um, could, could I just start by asking just sort of generally if you could tell us a bit about yourself and your background and uh, what, what you've been doing the last few years? Yeah, so I, I was born in Mexico, um, in Norapan, Michoacan, Mexico, and I grew up in Northern California. 
Um, so I am like a Mexican immigrant um, who grew up in Cali. I moved around a lot in California. Um, and I had a single mom who raised me and my sister. And I mean, my childhood was very, it was very nice. I mean, it, it, we, we seemed to struggle a little bit being like first generation coming to America. My mom didn't really speak the language. Me and my sister, we luckily like started school in, in California. Um, I actually had to like repeat kindergarten cause I didn't know how to speak English. <laughs> um, so that's something I, I always think about. It's so silly. Um, but I mean, we grew up in, in like, a in Northern Cal Cali in like Lincoln, California. We, we traveled a lot and to like Patterson, California. So a lot of like small town, little country town places, which I, I now love and, and think fondly of those memories. Uh, but I always dreamt of moving to like a bigger city, moving to LA, to New York and dreams of becoming an actress and a model and, you know, doing all of these amazing things. And finally, when I got the courage to, you know, to just do it. And my mom was like my biggest supporter. She was the one that actually gave me the courage to move to LA. It was during the pandemic. So I actually moved to LA in August of 2020. And it was just a dream come true. And I had three months rent. I remember I had three months rent. And I didn't know where I was going. I never really traveled or visited LA. So I had no idea where I was going to end up. I had no idea what was going to happen, if I was going to make it, if I was going to come back. And luckily, I met amazing roommates that, you know, took me in. I just started working. I worked in retail. And, you know, three months in, I ended up getting a getting into a modeling competition and with Slay Model Management. And that's where I got my start. And things just kind of went from there. And now I'm here talking about, you know, Quantum Leap and being a part of this amazing show. And I also went to Paris recently and I did a show in Paris called Love Trip Paris, which was a dream come true. And now I'm just like, Thinking about that little kid, you know, growing up, thinking like, I want to do all of these things. And I'm thinking, whoa, like, kiddo, if you only knew everything <laughs> you're going to go through. <laughs> Did you ever think, I mean, when you you started on this journey in uh, in 2020, that things would move that fast? And, you know, to, to be to be sat here now, basically having had the lead role in um, it, the, the focus of an episode that's such a quick journey. It, it is. It really is. I, I honestly didn't expect it to happen this quickly. Um, and, and to achieve everything I've achieved so far, I was so surprised and I'm so grateful. And I always say every time I go to an audition or, or take, you know, get the opportunity to be a part of a project, it's always it always feels like the first time. It always feels like this is the first time I'm doing this, this is the first time I'm on set. So I'm like, I go in and I'm like, the cameras, the lights, all the cast and crew, and I'm just like <laughs> giddy. Even though, you know, I've been a part of all these amazing projects, I'm like, it just still feels like the first time. And it's kind of funny because um, I have like family back home who are now, who are equally as surprised. I have my aunt who was like, oh my God, like, I'm so surprised that Jocelyn just went to LA and she told us she was going to do this and she did it. And everyone's just like in awe and they love me and they're rooting for me. So it just feels so nice to like come back and be like, I did it, you guys, you know, like, 
um, I, I did it. Like I went to LA and I worked hard and I did what I want to do. And here I am. And I'm just so, so grateful. I'm so excited for everything. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you heard about the role on quantum leap and sort of the steps that you needed to go through to, to land it? Oh my God. Actually, that's a funny story. Um, so when I, uh, came back from Paris, so I had, a, I was in Paris and I was filming a show and when I came back from Paris, I had like a few time to kind of a few, like a few weeks or yeah, I was like, I had a few weeks to like get myself situated, you know, coming back. It was like figuring everything out. And, and then I just got this call from my agency from Slayma Little Management and they gave me a call. They're like, Hey, we have this audition. Like, can you do it please? And I was like, like, yes. And it was funny because I was in the middle of like looking, looking for a new place to live, you know, trying to figure out like where I'm going to, you know, end up back in LA. I was kind of living with my parents for a little bit back in Northern California. So during all of this drama of like me looking for a place to live, coming back and forth, I had other auditions and, you know, other projects I was still wanting to be a part of. I had this call and I saw, I read the script and the first time I read the script, I cried. And I remember I called my mom. That was the first thing I did. I called my mom and I said, like, oh, my God, like, I just read this amazing script and I have an an opportunity to audition for it. And just to have this script in my hands felt like a win for me, for my community, for the trans community, because I've never read such a beautiful, beautiful story about a trans girl who all she wants to do is just play basketball and be herself. And, and this is what I I remember thinking, like, this is what I want to see on TV. This is what, these are the stories I want to share, you know, I want to be a part of. And, and even if I'm not a part of, I want to watch them and root for like all the other girls and, and all the other people that get to be a part of these projects. Like I want more of this. And I was just so grateful. And I remember I, I told my mom about like the story, what it was and how it really reminded, reminded me of me back in high school. And, you know, I also transitioned in high school and I, I mean, I really am Gia. Like I really lived her life. You know, I also, um, I transitioned in high school. I wasn't allowed to play in, in the girls sports. I wasn't allowed to be, I wasn't allowed to be in, um, the girls locker room. I remember they had me, they gave me like an assigned restroom and, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't able to do all of these things. I think like I did track and field, but it was like the co co co-ed track and field. So anyone could do it, but I had to, you know, change in, in a, in a restroom for like, um, in a, a separate restroom. I had to change in a separate restroom And I just remember for me, I wasn't as brave as Gia to stand up for myself. I remember I was just so scared and all I wanted was to just be a normal kid. So I mostly just kind of hid and, you know, like, like I didn't really stand up for myself. I didn't say much. And going back and and doing this show, it kind of made me feel like I got a chance to fix my wrongs and to stand up for myself and to, you know, stand up for the things I really wanted to do, which was for me, it was play volleyball and join the cheer team. And, and I remember I auditioned for it, but they just wouldn't, you know, they, they wouldn't let me be a part of that because it was just too complicated. And I, I do remember, um, 
when I transitioned in high school, I was, um, I was taking PE and the moment I transitioned and they all kind of caught the teachers and everybody caught on, they took me out of PE as soon as they could. So, so they just took me out and then they're like, Oh, we'll just, you know, set up, you know, figure out another way you can make your credits. Um, but I wasn't allowed to, to, I mean, finish, do a lot of like the sports and activities. And I just was kind of like, Okay, like I remember I I felt like being myself was a win. It didn't matter anything else. I got to be who I am. I got to introduce myself as Jocelyne. That was a win for me. That was all I wanted. And you know, I was I was so grateful for that that I didn't want to take in all of the other negativity. I'm like, oh whatever. Like I didn't want to do PE anyways. I didn't want to do um, the sports anyways, you know, I, I think I convinced myself to be like, okay with it. But in reality, I mean, it wasn't okay. And I'm really grateful that we get to see Gia stand up for herself and to be like, no, like I want to play basketball. I'm good. I deserve to be on the team. I deserve to play just like all the other girls and to be a part of that and to say that, I mean, there were moments where I like on set was like, tearing up and talking with Shakina and all the other producers and, and directors thinking like, like, this is my life. Like, this is the things I wish I would have mm-hmm. said. I wish I would have done. And now I'm saying it. And it just, it was real. It felt real. To that point, I think one of the things that this show does so strongly is shine a light on the insanity of the bigotry but also manages to do it in such an uplifting and positive way. Um, we were all crying through it, but but both for those, uh, the injustice and also the, well, this is such an uplifting and positive story. Yes, yes, I definitely agree. Like it was a very like sweet, uplifting, just beautiful story. And, you know, it wasn't sad and dark and, you know, it didn't paint, mm. you know, trans issues as a negative thing. It just painted as like, hey, you know, these are real stories. Like this girl just wants to play basketball. And, and that's what I love about this story so much, that it's a real story about a real kid, you know? The um, filming of the episode, uh, once you're on set and you're ready to go, uh, this is, is a unusual episode of Quantum Leap only because usually it focuses more on Ben and he's in like every shot. But this is a really good episode because it really puts the focus on your character. Gia and you're in most of every scene of the show really and uh what was what was the filming process like were you there for the whole eight days yeah I was there for the whole eight days um so I was there all day on set and I loved it I mean I I just love being on set I love being with the crew um I feel like we all became like really close and I love just coming in and having high energy and, and sitting in my makeup chair and, and talking with hand makeup and just being, being excited about it. Um, I mean, I loved being on set and I got to talk to, to Ray and he is just amazing. He's so kind. He's brilliant. I mean, I, we really like when I had questions, he really let me, you know, talk with him, go through it. And we went the scene together and he gave me his insight on like, what is this? What, what is the scene supposed to really mean like how are we supposed to you know make the audience feel and to have that opportunity to talk about the scene and, and what we're trying to to show was just amazing and I feel like he definitely helped me out a lot um same with Bridget who was my mother 
on on the show. She was so sweet. She was so kind. I felt like she was like my second mom. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is so sweet. And I also loved the conversations that I started to hear and and had with a lot of the crew and cast, you know, about trans issues and what what it was like growing up. And of course, you know, I I talked about my experience and what I went through, but it was really nice to see them kind of reflect and realize like, whoa, like I had no idea that Gia is going through this. And, you know, like it, it was really sweet to actually see them really understand like what the issue was, you know, it's like, well, this kid just wants to play basketball. Like what's the problem? And, and they all read the script and they all were so supportive and so kind. And it was just nice to see people just really get it and really understand it and be like, wow, like this is a real issue. And I remember being on set and there was this one scene that we did. Um, I think I was sitting at the stairs in our home and we were, and I was talking to, uh, ben and I was telling him like you just don't understand and um, and I remember that when we did the scene and when we finished everyone else on set was just quiet and and it was like you could just hear like a pin drop and everyone was like whoa like it almost felt like people got it like people were finally listening and really heard what I was saying and really understood it and were like, wow, like this is a lot. This kid is going through so much and she's so brave and, you know, this is real. And I just remember that moment just being really beautiful because it just everyone, I felt like everyone really understood what was really going on and what and how powerful this episode was and how important this story was. Being the, the mouthpiece of such an important message and being the, as Albie was saying, effectively being the focus more than anyone else in Quantum Leap so far has been on, on of the episode. Did, did you feel any pressure there at all I, um, in terms of what was being expected of you? Um, I'd say, I want to say like yes and no. Um, a part of like no, because I was just being myself and I was just trying to have fun on set. And I was so grateful to be with everyone and, and to, you know, I, I felt like I could just be myself because of how much I related to Gia and a lot of similarities that we had. And I was like, well, oh, she's just a kid. And like, this is exactly how I was. And like, you know, in 2012 and, you know, just being young and free, wanting to play basketball and not caring and just wanting to hang out with my friends. And, and, you know, I felt like I could just be myself and, and yes, I do also felt like there is a pressure, you know, I think, I feel like I've always kind of felt that in a lot of things that I've done. I feel like I was put into this role to stand up for myself and my community as a trans immigrant woman. And, you know, I do feel that pressure, but I also feel like that comes, I feel like that could be for all trans women, you know, in, in the film and media and TV because of the lack of stories and, like real stories and, and progress, especially, you know, today, you know, I feel like there's still so much that we still need to go through and we still need to accomplish a lot for people to just love and accept trans men and women and LGBT um, people. 
and I, and I do kind of feel that pressure, but I, I, overall, I just, I want to do a good job for me. I want to do something that I'm proud of, something that makes me feel, something that makes me feel grateful to be, to be here, to be doing these things. And, and also I want to do something that, that little kids could see and, and realize like, wow, like I relate to this person. I relate to this character. You know, I didn't have that growing up and I really wished I would have been able to see a girl like me on TV doing all of these amazing things and being a part of all of these amazing projects. And I wish I re- really, I wish I could have had that chance to see that, but I didn't. And to think now that maybe there are some little kids out out there who still don't know who they are, who are tr- trying to figure out, who feel so lost and get to see me and realize like, whoa, like this, you know, like this person looks like me and I relate to them and, and they can do it and they're amazing and they're beautiful and, and they're themselves. And I want to do that. So I, I really hope I can share that. I really, really hope that there's, people that just see me and and think like, whoa, she can do it. I can do it. And and that's what I want. I mean, I want, I want to, um, I want to like give other kids the opportunity to dream bigger. As part of that process, when you were exploring the role and, you know, wanting all of these things, um, you had Shakina there, other members of the trans community on set um, doing scenes together. Was there a collaboration as you guys were going forward about the different ideas, like you were just expressing that you wanted to um, convey in the performance and how you might get those across, even though there's a lot in the script? Was there a bigger conversation about sort of the the hopes for the role and the hopes that the episode uh, for the ideas the episode would convey. I I definitely think so. I feel like you know, having Shakina on set was just amazing because I feel like I really got to just like talk to her about my experiences and her experiences and and really you know showcase like this is a trans story, but it's a beautiful trans story. And so I did feel like I got to you know, share with her like, oh, like, you know, this, this, in this scene, this reminds me of um, what I went through back in, in, in high school and, and how I reacted and how I wish I could have reacted. And, and there were a lot of moments where she like, you know, gave me advice and, and gave me the courage to like, use that. You know, I remember her telling me like, okay, use that, portray that energy. You know, this is your story. This is, you know, it's, it's your Gia. I mean, you, you literally went through this, you know, now you get a second chance to go back in time and rewrite your, your story. And, you know, and we got to really talk about it. And I think, I think that was like really beautiful because it wasn't just like, Oh, follow the script. This is how things are going to be. This is how things are going to stay. No, it was more of like, we all, 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 everyone on set, we all went together. And, you know, I do think there was a few little moments where she just kind of rewrote the script a little bit or changed a few lines for it. So we felt more comfortable with the story. And, and that was, I think was a beautiful thing about how it was this, it was said to be one thing, but it became something even more special for me, for everyone else in, in the cast. And, and I think that's, that's what it was amazing that there was just so, so much vulnerability and so much 
real energy and real experiences that went into the show that I think made it such an amazing, amazing project to work with. And I mean, I was grateful every day to be on set and to feel like I'm just sharing my story. Uh, during filming the episode, was uh, were you a basketball player before that or was that a special skill on your uh, resume? Did you have to learn as you went? Oh, my God. Yes. Um, so I actually never played basketball uh, <laughs> before the episode, but I actually learned like I we had to learn and I got a basketball coach who who taught who taught us in the team. And, and then I actually ended up working um, with another coach who who let me like practice some more. And I actually loved it and I learned to love it. And it's so funny because now I enjoy playing basketball. Once we wrapped the show, the first thing I did was like, I went to the store and I bought myself a basketball. And now I just love like going out and I play with my friends. And it was a lot of fun because it just kind of, kind of came naturally to me. I, the one thing that I, I feel like I'm very proud of is that I learned things very quickly. I enjoy, um, I enjoy like learning and like taking things and, and figuring out how they work or like a, if it's a game or, or, or like a, a little device or something. Like I always love just kind of like figuring stuff out or like taking things apart and being like, Oh, okay. And I remember that's what I did when I was younger. I would have like toy cars and I would like take them apart and like figure out how they put, how they went back together. Um, and, and I just enjoyed playing basketball so much. And I kind of went, went with the flow and by the by the moments that we were shooting the big basketball games I felt like a little bit of a pro like I was really excited I was ready to show my moves and there was one it was one take that we were so upset that like no one filmed it but there was one take where I was just practicing and um and now I say like practice every rehearsal like tape every rehearsal and as I was I was practicing, I like shot the bat, shot the ball, and I made it from like a, the three pointer line, and everybody went crazy. Shakina was on the floor. <laughs> Everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, we should have recorded that!" And it was really exciting to just exciting. It was really exciting to show like my new love for the game, and to be able to show like I actually do enjoy basketball, and I got to play and and you know me and the girls love playing together so it was just a lot of fun uh anita played your bestie in this episode uh did you and her form like a friendship and did you form any other friendships while you're on the set yes most definitely uh me anita aaron and lucy actually all became really close and we all have our little quantum quantum lions uh group chat (laughs) that we're like always chatting in i actually saw anita uh this weekend and we went out to dinner and it was just really fun and and I feel like we really just connected, you know, we really all just became really close friends and I love them so much. They're so sweet. And I mean, it was funny. Like it did feel like we just became a team and we all just got to be ourselves and on set while we were all together, we were always joking around, just making jokes, playing basketball, taking pictures. So we really, it really did feel like we were, 17 and in a basketball team and just being just besties all all the four of us albie i know you're gonna bust i know you want to ask about powers <laughs> well i got I, I have a few questions go on go on the main thing on my bucket list i think that i haven't done yet in life is go to paris and i want to so i, I love trip paris i i watched that preview 
you you look amazing in the show. I I can't wait till it comes out. I think what is it? February fifteenth. Uh, February fourteenth. That makes sense. Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. All right. So what was your yeah? What, what was your trip to Paris like? What can you tell us? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was a dream come true. It was my first time going to Paris. Um, so without giving spoilers, uh, <laughs> it was my first time going to Paris and it was just a dream. You know, I've always dreamt of going to Paris and I mean, I love like the Parisian fashion, the food, the, the, just the, the buildings and like just how beautiful everything was. And to just be in Paris filming the show and, um, having a lot of fun meeting amazing people it was just a dream come true. I mean, I definitely felt like I was living my rom-com movie moment mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I can say, um, having been to Paris myself, it's a <laughs> magical experience. So I, I hope that while you were there, you were able to explore some more parts of France. I know you were probably on a shooting schedule, so it might have been difficult. But, yeah. Uh, I would yeah, recommend that. But it, <laughs> yeah, but it was amazing. It was so much fun. And I can't wait for you guys to see uh, my journey and to see the show. And I mean, it was a lot of fun. I also think that it's another great show because it also has um, all of these queer characters in it, you know, and, and that's was, that was another, another amazing thing that I'm just so grateful to be a part of. You know, we have uh, myself, a trans woman, and we have, um, Lacey and Rose and Caroline, and you get to learn their stories on the show. Um, but, you know, it also is another, you know, queer show. And, and I'm just so grateful that we are now starting to see shows like this, you know, shows where you get to see people fall in love or, you know, date and potentially, you know, magical things will happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm just really, really excited to to show that experience. And I hope that others get to see that and to realize like, wow, this is amazing. This is beautiful. We're we're just all here trying to live our life. No, so um I know Matt's been to Paris probably a couple of times. It's right around it's right around the block for him. He's in the UK. He's just like, <laughs> I never have. I He's never like, have. It's like a stone's throw, but, <laughs> but uh yeah. So, I mean, now that um, you have that um, done and Quantum Leap is uh, going to premiere and everybody's going to see you, is there anything else that we can look forward to seeing you in? Uh, any other projects on the horizon that you can talk about? Um, not any projects I can talk about yet, but hopefully some new amazing things that I can share with you guys. And I'm just really excited to see what's to come and, and to see what, you know, what... What's going to happen? Do you have any special plans for so, your yeah. night of your episode? Uh, for Quantum mm. League? Yes. So for Quantum League, we are having um, a little premiere event, a little street screening um, with the whole cast and on Monday night in Hollywood. And I'm really, really excited. Um, my parents get to come and they're actually coming from North California and I'm really excited to to see them and share what I've done and and to finally, you know, get to see the episode and to see what people think. And I get to be with the with my girls um, from Quantum Leap. So we get to be together and get to watch the show. And and I mean, it's just going to be a dream come true. And I'm just so grateful that 
I get to share this with a lot of people that I've met on the show, a lot of my friends and my family. So that is just a dream. And I'm so grateful. And, and I give thanks every day for, for being able to be here and to show, show, share my story. And I'm just happy and excited. <laughs> The episode turned out really well. You'll be very happy and proud of your work, I think. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the best episodes of Quantum Leap yes. of all time, I think, in my opinion. So, Oh, my, yeah. job well oh my God, you're so sweet. Of all time. Of job all well time. Done. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, and we, we've yeah. commented before. Um, I guess this is a question we, we normally ask, but since you're so young, we, we kind of assume that we already know the answer. Were you familiar with the original Quantum Leap before um, hearing about this this role, before participating in the new series? I I wasn't too familiar with the show, but my dad, my my stepdad, he actually, um, my stepdad, I call him dad, um, but he actually watched the show when he was younger. And he, when I told him about it and he was like, you're joking. And I was like, yes, like, have you heard it? And he's like, yes, I have. <laughs> and so he was a fan and he's actually so sweet. He's so excited for me. He's like told all of our family and his like coworkers. And when he saw the trailer, he like showed his boss and was showing all of his coworkers like, that's my daughter. She's on quantum leap. So that to me was so sweet. And I'm just so happy that that I get to be a part of this amazing show and, and to kind of, you know, just, I mean, it did so amazing the first time and to be a part of it the, the second time around and just to give it a second life and to be a part of it, it's just so amazing. So I'm so grateful and I'm really excited for my dad because he's just, he is over the moon. He is so <laughs> proud of me. He's like, my girl's on quantum leap, like, oh my gosh. And he's just, he started, I think, rewatching some of the old episodes. Um, I think he found them like on Amazon and, and now he's just so excited and he's like gone through the new, new episodes for quantum leap. And he's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And it just feels amazing. So Jessalyn, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's, as I say, it's, it's a great episode. We've, we all loved it. Um, I think that's, uh, that's come across in this interview. Um, and, uh, I hope a lot of the, uh, the listeners and the watchers will follow you and, um, and be watching Love Trip Paris, uh, February 14th, three form. Yes. Three yep. form Hulu uh, the next so, day. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time. You're, you're, enthusiasm for, for quantum leap and for love trip has been infectious um we've we've just had a real pleasure talking to you oh Thanks. my gosh thank you so much and it was a pleasure speaking with you guys and i'm so grateful for being on on your show and i'm just i'm really excited guys wasn't she great yeah what a great interview yeah, yeah. Just a just joyful person, joyful on screen, yeah. joyful off screen. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm I'm happy that uh, when we reached out, she seemed to be so enthusiastic about yeah. uh, coming on and talking about it with us. So thank you, Josie for being on the show. Uh, we really enjoyed having you. And thank you for your portrayal and for um, getting across a very important topic um, in, in Quantum Leap. Um, we really appreciate everything that you brought to the franchise. So... Josie not the only great news for the show, guys. Um, we also have a new patron to announce. Everybody, let's give it up for Glenda Paloma. Woo, Glenda. Yay. 
She Thanks, joins Glenda. us at the highest level, Glenda, just sashaying wow. in as a producer. <laughs> that means that as a producer, Glenda will be mentioned in our closing credits from here on out. And she also gets access to the Quantum Leap Podcast uh, book club bookmark. She also gets access to all of the bonus material that we have. I think about 25 hours and counting of bonus shows up there. And I will also be eventually at some point in the very distant future interviewing Glenda about her Quantum Leap fandom in an oh boy segment so matt you 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 had indicated or implied that you you know glenda yeah yeah she's an old friend of mine um i had no <laughs> idea that she was thinking of doing this so the first time i saw was when you you announced on the the, the, the chat that uh, oh yeah we've we've got a new producer ah okay but yeah i've known her for years Oh, well, thank you, Glenda. Matt's worth it. Matt's worth every penny <laughs> in my experience, in my estimation, my Aww. humble estimation. So if you want to be like Glenda, you can find our Patreon site at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. Go there and check it out. Um, we also got some really good feedback in response to last week's show. Uh, I think that uh, we have a couple of Facebook comments here. I'll take the first one. It's from Christopher Love Tyndale. And Christopher writes, I am on TV. Allison. I need her to keep saying exactly what I'm already thinking, but much more succinctly than I could. The snork and sarcasm of the female characters on the show are indeed obnoxious. I wish the writers would learn that sarcasm does not make the characters interesting or fun. I've also previously said that it feels like nobody working on QL22 has actually watched the original show <laughs> because the differences are so vast. The tone, the warmth, the chemistry, the pacing, it's all been thrown out in addition to the original rulebook of how PQL works. As a sequel series it doesn't resemble the original in any way so yeah a lot of people um came and uh agreed with a lot of the points that you made last week allison um this next one why don't you take the next one matt yeah so uh joshua luther uh starts i have to agree with allison here something about the show just doesn't feel like ql to me or a sequel to the original they are honoring it but at the same time trying to do too much to appeal to as many people as possible while alienating the true QL nerds and fans. The pacing and the editing of the show is too fast, and I don't ever find myself caring that much about the characters. I was a huge fan of the original show. I could care less about the project staff. Just give me a good story surrounding the leap. I'm still holding out hope that it will get better, or that I will enjoy it more. The worst episode from the original is far better than the best in this new QL show. I, I, wow, wow. Blood, blood Moon isn't... No. <laughs> I was going to say dreams. <laughs> dreams? Really? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, I was glad to hear some of this stuff. I was surprised to the amount of people that said that they agreed because like, like, I felt bad about uh, how mad I was in the last one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know what? Um, when I listened back to it, I could tell it was just a very raw experience, I think, for all of us because mm. you were really just in a place where you you just had enough. And um, I, I was a little worried about, okay, how is this going to be received? And as always, it's always better for us to just speak the truth because no matter what we say, if we are sincere, it comes across that way. And there is some segment of our listenership that is also feeling that way. So it's all mm -hmm. perfectly valid. Every point of view is is valid. And I was glad that people came in and chimed in and um, got your back on this one. Because that's, I think, part of what this show is about, is just expressing truly how we feel and having a real discussion as fans. So thank you for bringing that aspect to the show, Allison. Um, it's it's kind of brave, honestly. 
And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it's a dynamic that we're not afraid to embrace, you know? One thing that I love to embrace, as we know from the last episode, is headcanon. And uh, somebody had uh, written about that. This is an email from Bryce Parsons. I'll start from the first graph. We'll do our usual round robin on this one. Bryce writes, hi, QLP. I'm a relatively recent listener of the show. I've enjoyed your takes on the new series. It really has felt like a friendly and organic water cooler conversation about one of my favorite franchises. I especially wanted to compliment you on your recent episode about Leap, Die, Repeat, particularly the discussion about using headcanon to reconcile inconsistencies between an original work and its sequel slash continuation. It rang true to me, given my my thoughts on fandom and canon reconciliation. Though I'm a leaper, I'm first and foremost a diehard Back to the Future fan. Woo! For many years, <laughs> there was a dearth of an expanded universe for us BTTF fans. All that we had at the time was the 1991 to 92 animated series, Back to the Future The Ride, and the movie's deleted scenes, and an FAQ page. And boy howdy, some of those are still pretty tough to reconcile with the rest of the BTTF canon. I feel like QL is very similar in that regard, although its dearth of background lore is even bigger than BTTF's ever was. In hindsight, I think my BTTF fandom prepared me for using headcanon with the QL universe, and this has definitely continued as the new series has gone on, though I still sometimes struggle to figure out how Ben's new leaping paradigm fits into the broader continuity of what Sam and Al experienced, and would like more connective tissue that feels less surface level. I'm personally somewhat enjoying the mental gymnastics of reconciling this new canon with my own legacy headcanon. I suppose I enjoy it because it gets the gears turning upstairs and reminds me of all the old fandom discussions from back in the day. I have a sneaking feeling that as time goes on and the new show settles into itself, that we'll see more solid in-canon reconciliation between the two and we'll be able to pivot away from relying solely on headcanon. Anyway, like I said, I'm really enjoying the podcast and I wish you all the best. Bryce in San Antonio. So, Bryce, now you're talking my language. Yeah. I love the mental gymnastics, too. It's part of the reason why <laughs> I started to write books, is to reconcile differences in Star Trek canon. So um, that has always been one of my go-to spots and trying to explain logically how all of this fits together. So um, it's an exciting aspect of the show that I know annoys some of us, but which I find an endlessly fascinating exercise in creativity. And sometimes you got to get really creative because, as you said, boy, how <laughs> some of this <laughs> stuff is pretty tough to reconcile so uh but to me that's half the fun so thank you bryce for um chiming in thank you to christopher and to joshua if you would like to be like these listeners there are many ways that you can reach us here at the quantum leap podcast you can send us a letter or anything else you like at p.o box 542 Bayport, New York, 11705. You can catch us on the phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thequantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at quantumleappod. You can also watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash thequantumleappodcast. Uh, and remember, Patreon. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. Podcast, just like all of Matt's great friends, including Glenda Palmer. <laughs> Thank you, Glenda, again. So um, just remember, we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And as I've been saying this whole show, go to YouTube. 
Quantum Leap, as Alvy's calling it now, the Quantum Leap podcast, Quantum Leap After Show will be live. Um, it stars me, Alby, and special guest Jesse Gender. And we will also be uh, showing you video versions of our interviews with Jocelyn Aguilera, as well as episode writer Shakina. And um, another one that we've done with Bridget Callie Canales, who plays uh, the mom, Miriam Mendez. Um, oh my God, there's another one, Matt? And yeah, Anita Kalathara. Yes. And she played... Uh, the, the best friend, uh, Shruti. Woof! So yeah, that's going to be one big show. So go on over there. We had a lot of fun recording it, and um, I know Albie was very happy with it as well. And every interview we've done has been a delight, so these are no mm. exception. And uh, yeah, that should tide you over until uh, the next episode. And Guys, are we, are we headed towards another break? Like, what's what's going on? We've got a one-week break, and then we're back with family style. have just had a synopsis for family style go live today would you like to hear what's happening oh, in family please style? please yeah because that leap out told us nothing <laughs> ben, well when ben leaps into an indian family to try to prevent their beloved family restaurant from burning down he finds an emotional connection with their matriarch through memories of his own hmm. magic and jen share a surprising revelation with ian dun 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 <laughs> I wonder what that could be. Hmm. Whatever. <laughs> At the time that synopsis went live, no one knew what that meant. As a person who enjoys cooking very much, just ask my poor co-hosts. I bombard them frequently on Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays with my meals in prep. Seeing Ben leap into a kitchen, and I basically it looks like he's uh, maybe a sous chef. He's just doing the prep, but uh, chopping the stuff and saying cool i was thinking like cool so i guess ben likes to cook <laughs> he was just excited to be in a restaurant <laughs> like nothing else was provided to him other than maybe he gathered he was indian and then he's like chopping up vegetables and then he's just like yeah. cool and that's all this the leap out told us <laughs> he's gonna be in a restaurant and he was just having a great time yeah that's nice i like that that's fun that's good to me yeah, actually i did want to say i really liked the leap out where he's cheering at the game and then leaps out into the restaurant oh, i thought that was really cool i think i thought that awesome. was the best transition they've done yet yeah, yeah. And that, that's when i i you know had the tears in my eyes i was really welling up at yeah. that point both times and i'm sure i will again when i watch this episode again so uh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to the restaurant one but since we have an off week um we will be bringing you another special next week we have recently made an appearance on yet another podcast kind of like we did with drunkards walk we did a special episode of a show called captain game show which is a wordplay and trivia game show hosted by the inimitable John Irons. You've heard us mention John on the show many, many times. And uh, he's even appeared on the after show with Albie, uh, I think once at least, maybe twice. But John was good enough to have us on as guest stars. Like we're the guest podcast, I guess like an episode of Scooby-Doo starring the Harlem Globetrotters or whatever. But uh, I had fun doing that show. 
And um, John has yeah. given us permission to run it on this feed. So you will be hearing that next week. And then we will be back with family style. And we'll get to see what Ben's favorite dish is. See, you're saying we don't know enough about Ben Ellison. We're going to get so much in this next mm-hmm. this next. You don't outing. know if we're going to find out about his favorite dish. <laughs> I, I have high hopes. And we'll see just how that goes. <laughs> but until that time. He'll probably be like, I love kitchen nightmares. Because he always he loves reality TV and movies. <laughs> right. He's going to start cursing at everybody throwing pots and pans all over the yeah, place you donkey <laughs> it's gonna be epic uh i have been christopher d Philippus. i've been allison Pregler. and i've been matt dale and we will see you next time in the kitchen thank you for joining us for this episode of the quantum leap podcast hosted by allison matt and chris with voice talent and contributions from hayden mcqueenie and zoe dean to support the show please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast the executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production. Uh, at the laundromat, my heart grows fat. Uh, uh, name the band. Is, is that a song? That's a Dead Milkman song, yeah. Dead Milkman? That's not a real well, band. They're the greatest band. I've seen them like several times. I absolutely adore them. Are they from uh-huh. the 90s? They are from the 90s. They're the only band I know from the 90s. You said you're shit for 90s music. Katy Perry is not from the 90s. Why Why did you even say 90s music? This was set in 2012. <laughs> what are you talking about? Firework was 2010. <laughs> there you go. Carly <laughs> Rae Jepsen and K- Katy Perry are both 2000s singers. They're not All right, 90s. here, hang on. <laughs> Two. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> This was only 10 years ago. Did you not hear any of these songs? No, I've heard them. I, I just don't know. I don't know. I know Katy Perry, obviously. but And I think I know Carly's. That's that Maybe song, right? Yeah, yeah. And I only know that maybe. because she was sure. like a, a YouTube sensation. And I saw a video that uh, had um, Maybe from Arrested Development. In it, like they oh. it was to call me maybe, and they uh, had Aaliyah Shawcat. <laughs> and it was just okay. all like clips of Aaliyah Shawcat. So that's why I know that because I like Arrested Development. But uh, hey, that's neither here nor there. I'm really shitty at 2000s music. It's I'm so bad I call it 1990s music. I think Party Rock was in there too. Wasn't that LMAO? I think Party Rock. Yeah, you, you <laughs> guys. Was, tell I me. recognized a bunch of it. Reading the news and watching the people, that's what I do at the laundromat. At the laundromat, my heart grows fat. My clothes get dry, I stop it inside. Oh!
Ouch, chicka, wow, wow. All right.